Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, shipmates, friends, fans of the pod, I am John Schofield. Joining me is Bill Wagner, and this, of course, is the Sing Second Sports Podcast. We're just a couple of days away from St. Patty's Day and the big lacrosse matchup between Navy men's lacrosse and Hopkins. Joining us to talk about that today uh, is going to be Jen Baker, the current athletic director at Hopkins and 1998 graduate at the Naval Academy, former Navy women's lacrosse player as well. And also, I believe class of 03, uh, Ian Dingman from men's lacrosse fame of days past, back when they went to the national title game. Ian Dingman will be here to join us as well. But first things first, Wags, it's been a busy week. Let's recap it a tiny bit. First of all, you and I were up there at Greenberry Point. You know, what a nice place to possibly put another golf course one day, but that's another subject for another day. But we were able to watch Lewis Gray, Gavin Hickey, the rest of the Navy men's rugby team take on a spirited and tough and athletic Cal squad. And scoring first, Cal looked like they had the momentum. We were able to post a video of Navy coming back and scoring, eventually taking the lead. But then Wags against a really, really tough Pac-12 team. It took some fourth quarter heroics for Navy men's rugby to get the W, right? Well, it was a great game, and it was uh, my debut of covering Navy rugby because it had been a club sport all these years, and I'm already you know, stretched thin trying to cover all the varsity sports at Navy. but. It was a wonderful time, a great game. Cal is the the class of, of of collegiate rugby. Has been for a long time. Set the standard. They've won twenty eight national championships. Navy had never beaten Cal, and uh, it was interesting. Toward the end of the game, I was standing just behind the Navy bench, and Gavin Hickey, the head coach, gathered all the players on the bench uh, around him and said, "Basically, act like you've been there before. Don't." You know, this is what we expect to do to beat the best. And Navy's ranked number one. They they ranked higher than Cal, but you, there were in the end when the game ended, uh, there was no hiding the or disguising the exuberance and joy and ecstasy that Navy felt by finally beating Cal. It, it just really establishes uh, the program as a legitimate national championship contender, and they played great. Matthew Thibodeau. You know, he was out for most of the fall season. He is an absolute hoss. I mean, he's as big and solid as any Navy football player you'll find. Legs like tree trunks. He played great. And there were many heroes in the game, but just a tremendous performance. And, you know, it was very windy, wind coming off the Severn River, and Navy chose to play into the wind. They won the coin toss, chose to play into the wind in the first half, because Gavin wanted it with Navy in the second half. That proved to be a very good strategical move. Navy only trailed by two 
going into halftime. So that was a, a win considering they were going against the wind the whole time. Uh, tremendous second half performance, a great win, great crowd out there. I saw the superintendent of the Naval Academy. You were, you were spending some time with athletic director Chet Gladchuck, many other members of the Navy Athletics Administration in attendance, uh, a massive crowd. The stands were filled. And uh, there was a standing room only crowd on the other side of the field. Uh, really, really good atmosphere, John. Yeah, I think that that's really what I wanted to focus on was how good the atmosphere is at out at all of these games. And again, I, I I know that we have been on the record a bunch complaining about the atmosphere for basketball. This is not what we're here to talk about. You know, seeing Chris Cleary, the the principal cyber advisor for the Navy, Chris Hoffman, Dan Morris. So many rugby alums, you know, we've talked about how the alums were the engine uh, that really got this program to D1 or varsity status. And, and now, holy cow, do they belong? You know, uh, you mentioned Thibodeau. Um, he led the way for Navy by scoring three of its five tries in the contest. Obviously, the rest of the team was, was super good, handing Cal their first loss in almost a year. Um, which is significant. And if you look at the schedule, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't get any easier. They get Penn State this coming weekend on Saturday, and then they go up to Army on Friday, March 24th. Now, what a cool thing in that they play Army on Friday night, and then Saturday morning is the alumni game. You heard me talk about Cleary, Hoffman, Morris. They're all going to go up there and play in this alumni game on Saturday, March 25th. We'll try to bring you some coverage of that. Hopefully these old dudes don't come back too injured, um, but that's going to be great for them. Uh, you can then see Navy men's rugby back in Annapolis on Friday, April 7th, as they uh, finish off the regular season uh, with a game against Mount St. Mary's. And then we plan on having Gavin Hickey and one of the ruggers on the podcast in mid-April as they start their march for the D1A National Championship. It starts on April 15th with the quarterfinals, the semis of the next weekend, and then hopefully they're playing for the national title in early May down in Houston, Texas. Uh, what else is going on out there, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, Matthew Petros, congrats to him with Navy Gymnastics. A strong freshman campaign for him continued this past weekend. Um, as Navy, although they dropped uh, the competition to Stanford, a very, very good Stanford team, uh, Navy men's gymnastics did turn around a frown that happened at the All-Academy Championships in Texas when they finished behind Air Force. They finished above Air Force this past weekend, and Matthew Petros was a huge part of that success. He was selected for his fourth ECAC Rookie of the Week honor Hats off to him. Um, Wags, what else were you tracking this past week for Navy sports? Well, a disappointing loss for men's lacrosse up at Colgate. 17-8. to eight. You know, Navy's on a four-game losing streak, and this is really kind of, uh, let's hope, the low low moment of the season. Hopefully things are going to go up from here, become more positive. But, you know, no, no area of the field played well. Uh, the goalies struggled. The, the defense uh, exposed the goalies uh, on several occasions with guys getting point-blank shots. The offense fired off something like 49 shots, and not only you know, roughly half of them were on cage, only eight goals. So 
You can't be giving up 17 goals. You can't be scoring eight. That's not a winning formula. And uh, Navy Ben's across is in a tough spot as we enter this big game against Hopkins that we'll be talking about with our guests. Uh, need to turn it around immediately. Uh, the, the loss of Patrick Skalniak is huge, and the early return of playing without Pat did not look good. And Dane Swanson sat out again, so and then Navy's missing a big chunk of its first midfield. Um, hopefully Swanson gets back soon. I, I hope that is not a, a long-term injury, but uh, Navy men's lacrosse has got to get things turned around, John. Yeah, so Wags, it brings us to our kind of main thrust today, although we're going to get to some really good results for baseball and uh, preview the wrestling national championships as well. But if you look at this situation, you were very blunt. Uh, in your story, wrapping this up. This was a bad loss. This was an embarrassing loss. This is a loss that gives you pause if you root and follow, root for and follow Navy men's lacrosse. And now there is no rest for the weary in that they get Hopkins on Friday night under the lights. Uh, this is a Hopkins team, ladies and gentlemen, that's coming off of a big win against Syracuse. Syracuse, one of the blue bloods of, of lacrosse. And Certainly a huge part of the success in that game was, uh, you know, Hopkins is Garrett Degnon. He's now sitting at 16 goals for the season. He had a couple against Syracuse. He's had a great year. Preview this a little bit for us, Wags. I know that Degnon is the subject of a story that you're writing for the paper, but where else are Navy uh, lacrosse fans going to have to turn their eye um, on Friday night to see, you know, who from Hopkins might hurt us and who from Navy might save us? Well, Hopkins has a lot of talent, and uh, I'll talk about Garrett Degnan with one of our guests, but he's a very talented attackman. They've got a kid from St. Mary's named Ian Cramp who's very good. They've got some firepower, and as you know, we'll talk with Jim Baker, the athletic director at Hopkins, they've played a very rigorous schedule, uh, more difficult than Navy. They went up to carrier, the Carrier Dome and beat Syracuse on its home field. That's a very impressive victory. They've taken a couple tough losses, but... Um, this is going to be a real challenge for Navy. And last year was a very huge upset for Navy, a, a very uplifting game, probably maybe a, the best win of the season in 2022. Uh, Navy needs this game. It's at home. You're going to have a big crowd. Uh, it's just, to me, this is kind of a must-win situation. Navy's got to get things turned around. I want to see Xavier Arline become more of a factor. You know, and we're approaching spring football it starts next Monday. And I'm not quite sure where this is all going. He's going to be going to all these spring football practices. They practice three times next week alone. Um, and then, of course, the defense has to, you know, tighten up. There's been way too many double-digit games. Navy lacrosse has always been about strong defense, holding opponents in single digits, and it's just not happening. And there have been breakdowns. And the goalie play has not been what it needs to be. So there are a lot of areas that Navy needs to fix. I wonder, offensive coordinator Michael Phipps in his first year came in here with the idea of installing this high-powered offense that he used at Georgetown with great success. And Georgetown put up record numbers for averaging 14-some goals a game. And you wondered, would it work at Navy? There's maybe not as high a skill level at Navy as the Georgia down, and so far it's not been working. Navy's firing off a massive amount of shots, but they're not good shots. They're off cage. 
or they're right at the goalie. I mean, the Colgate goalie made something like 21 saves, and Pete Metters was on the call on the way back from rugby. I was listening to Pete and Joe Miller, and they were right recapping the game, and they both said that not a lot of those saves were all that difficult. So Navy's making goalies look really good. The kid from Manhattan had a massive game against Navy. So I understand the concept of taking a lot of shots, but if they're not high-quality, high-percentage shots, what's the point? Yeah, Wags, and, and I'll finish off the thought by saying this. I, I'm, I'm a huge nerd when it comes to scheduling, and here you are. You're three and four. You've lost your last two in the Patriot League, so you're 0-2 in the conference. You gave up double-digit goals to Lehigh and kind of a back-breaking loss at home. You go up to Hamilton, New York, and Colgate just punks you 17-8. And now, out of nowhere, in the middle of spring break, all the mids are on spring break this week, um, yay for them. They get to play Hopkins, a very tough and hot Hopkins team on Friday night of St. Patty's Day. And then you turn around and you have another non-conference game against Villanova while in elite school. Yes, sort of a head scratching situation and tough for me because I would think that Amplos boys want to get right back into the Patriot League slate. But now they have to wait until March 25th at Holy Cross to kind of turn their fortunes around in conference. How do you feel about these like middle of the Patriot League schedule non-conference games for them at a time that their confidence is really shaken? Well, it's a good question, John. I mean, I, I like the idea. I mean, they used to play midweek games in college across all the time. It used to be that you played Tuesday, Friday. That's why the season was able to start in March. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, lacrosse coaches decided that the sport was akin to football and they could only play once a week. But it's not uncommon to play midweek games in the sport of lacrosse. And, you know, Villanova has been a pretty solid program over the years and they're, they're five and one currently, John, um, that at, at present, that would be an upset if Navy beat Villanova on its home field. So you're right. If you, if you take a tough loss to Hopkins, you got to turn around and go up to Philly and play Villanova. Not, not an easy situation, but, Navy's got to get it turned around at some point, whether it's Hopkins, whether it's Villanova, but the Patriot League season already Navy's 0-2 in conference. You cannot take any much more losses or you're going to be really on the bubble for making the Patriot League tournament. Yeah, and, and, and not that I'm saying that the Hopkins game is unimportant. This is a huge rivalry game. Um, you know, It'll be an interesting environment, really, right? Yeah, it's spring break, so not a lot of mids. Um, Hopkins always travels well, particularly their band one, two, three, four. We want more. I hate that. Uh, no offense, Jane Baker, but, um, I'll be very interested in what the environment is and, and hopefully against a ranked Hopkins team and then a very good Villanova team, uh, men's lacrosse can get two big wins and turn it around. Uh, before we get to our next guest, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about turning things around on the baseball diamond. I admit I was a hater. I was crushing Navy baseball. Uh, they lost to Georgetown 7-1. They had dropped a series to UMass before that. They had been you know, really, really roughed up at the beginning of the season, but then turned it around by beating, uh, beating Air Force in the series. But then lo and behold, I don't know how good the Princeton baseball team is, Wags, but they came in and won 3-1 in game one, 5-3 in game two, and then on Sunday put up seven runs to win 7-4. It certainly looks, Wags, like the pitching problems that 
that were just beset on this team at the beginning of the year have been solved because those are three pretty good wins. Oh, it's always great when you sweep any opponent. I mean, three game sweep, you can't beat it. I mean, Princeton after the sweep was two and eight, so they are struggling a bit, but it doesn't matter. Navy is playing better baseball and you called it. Pitching has been much improved. That's a key element there. So let's hope that the baseball program keeps it going upward and onward. Yeah, upward and onward indeed, Wags. Um, Let's put a pin in that conversation for now, though, and go to break because when we come back, we're going to have our alumni segment and a very important segment for our preview of the Hopkins game as we're going to be joined by athletic director at Johns Hopkins University, Jen Baker, also a 98 grad at Navy. She's going to help us preview this and talk a little bit about how she is helping her athletes get to the point when they graduate to be leaders of character and consequence. So let's go to break. And when we come back, we'll have Jen Baker. All right. Sing second fans, a few announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. You will hear us talk about this in the next two segments, but come out this Friday to celebrate St. Patrick's Day with Navy men's lacrosse as they return to Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium to take on in-state rival Johns Hopkins. The game is presented by Navy Mutual and the first 500 fans in attendance will receive a free light up shamrock necklace and green beer will be sold at the stadium. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit navysports.com. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. We are so happy to be joined on this, not only our alumni segment, but also our athletic director segment by athletic director Jen Baker at Johns Hopkins. As you all know, Jen is a 98 grad of the U.S. Naval Academy and the current athletic director at Hopkins since before COVID and now on Friday brings her Blue Jays down into Navy Marine Corps Stadium for the big matchup against Navy men's lacrosse. So Jen, first of all, you're down in Greensboro right now supporting your swim team or your swimmers in the NCAA championships. Tell us how that's going and give us a little preview for what you're looking for on Friday night. Awesome. Uh, Yeah, so I actually just got down here probably about an hour ago. Um, started this morning, so I've got two swimmers in finals tonight and some others that I haven't gotten updates on yet, but have a chance to start the meet off strong um, with a couple of wins. These are folks who won the mile each, each won the mile last year. So um, hoping for some, for some fast swims, um, none of which will take 40 years and none of which will be in full khakis. So that's disappointing for them, um, but I'd like to call that just a handicap for the rest of us. Um, super excited about Friday. Um, really pumped to, you know, certainly to have Navy Hopkins on the schedule because we lost it there for a hot second. Um, but this is a kind of a surreal one because the my media credential arrived this week and I saved my media credential from the last time Hopkins was supposed to play at Navy, which was this week in 2020. And media credential arrived early in the week. And by the end of the week, there was no game. Um, And so it'll be really exciting just to be back down at Navy Marine Corps Memorial um, for the game. My players have not had the opportunity to play down there. 
Um, so I'm very excited for them to have that experience because while we certainly are not a service academy, we did just put up a veterans memorial wall in our Cordish Lacrosse Center to honor our men's lacrosse alums who've been killed in action. Um, we hang gold star service flags in the back of our goals for every game. So there's a very strong connection and respect for military service in our, um, in our program. And I'm just excited to have, you know, a really great game between this is a historic rivalry, like so many others. Um, it's not Army Navy, but it's definitely if you're a lacrosse fan, it's one worth showing up for because you're going to get a good game no matter what the record is coming into it. Yeah, for sure, Jen. And before Wags asked this question, you, your men's lacrosse team has sort of done the murderer's row of scheduling so far this year. <laughs> uh, already yep. got Charlie Toomey and Loyola, already got North Carolina, already got number one Virginia. And those are three losses, (laughs) but I was ending it with the big win at Syracuse (laughs) last week, you know, no, no flying gates or anything like that from uh, the Syracuse men's lacrosse team as, as your blue Jays got a big win after those aforementioned losses. But how much do you think this schedule has prepared them for a Navy team on Friday night under the lights? I mean, we play the most challenging schedule in the country on purpose um, because that's that's kind of always who Hopkins has been. But it's also about, you know, it, you talk so much about the physical mission. That is our physical mission. Um, you know, we want to prepare ourselves for the toughest. We want to take on the toughest because every week you get better from that, whether it is a win or whether it is a loss. And we've certainly um, people have taken note of the fact that we schedule two games in a week and we've done that a couple times so far. And that's a tough stretch because there are you look at our schedule, there's no easy opponents on it. But every time you do that, you get better, um, either because you won and you learned something or because you lost and you learned something and you're developing the physical resilience to continue to compete. So um, I, I know the guys have been working hard this week and very focused and they just try to take it one game at a time. But I know they're excited to make the trip down there. What? So we were in the press box together last year when Navy pulled a bit of a surprise, of, I would say an upset of Hopkins and it had been a long time since the sixties, since Navy had defeated Hopkins at Homewood field. It was sort of really memorable for Carl Tamulevich, who was the retiring associate athletic director. And he was a former Navy lacrosse great. And he was on the field to see that monumental win. And Carl, we lost Carl over the summer. So that's kind of one of his last great memories was seeing Navy beat Hopkins. That must've been a bittersweet, uh, experience for you, Jen? Uh, yeah, it was. I, I'm not sure if you could see all my facial expressions while we were in the press box, but you know, it's, it's, well, I think one of the things that, that I can take away from that is that Carl was able to be there and able to see that and able to share that with the team and, um, with everyone who was there. And I'm, I'm thrilled for that experience for him. Uh, it's never easy to lose if you're on my side of things. Um, but at the same time, what did that really mean? That you know, Navy had struggled themselves for, you know, sometimes they had been inconsistent and I'm still a Naval Academy grad. So it's always, it always feels good to see Navy play well. Um, Unfortunate if it comes at your own expense and you're the athletic director of an opposing institution, Um, but you you can't be mad at it. Um, You know, you, you can't be, you have to respect it. I really do respect what Joe and, and his staff have been building down there. Um, it's been fun to watch them. And like anything else, I only want Navy to win. Um, when they play Hopkins, 
I'd like that to be a really closely contested game that both teams can feel good about at the end of the day. But um, no one is a bigger Navy lacrosse fan um, than me. And I, I don't think Navy and being supportive of Navy and Hopkins has to be mutually exclusive. But certainly I'm excited about the direction the Navy program is headed. And of course, just on the women's side, too, it's just been a perennial contender. So lots of good stuff there and always want to see the alma mater do well. Well, it's interesting you brought up women's lacrosse. Hopkins and Navy have played quite a bit in scrimmages, and I know they did play last season um do you expect that series to continue i'd love to cover a navy hopkins game at homewood i've never done that before well i would love to have a navy hopkins double header so let's put that idea in our um with the coaches um the short answer is i don't know because historically we had like we played navy uh the women on, on the women's side in the first round of the ncaa tournament a couple years ago so we've historically only ever scrimmaged them and or faced them in a postseason um so I, I know that our coach would love to have them on the schedule, but I don't know how that works with, you know, Cindy's got her own ideas for what's best for her program. And she's got a lot of teams to fit in and want some good challenging games. So um, I think you and I need to sit down with Cindy and Tim, my coach, and, and explain to them the importance of you covering a game at Homewood um, between those two teams. And then if we could get Joe and Pete, my men's coach, in the same room, let's plan something really great because that's what we do with Loyola. We know we now play a men's and women's doubleheader, and it's a great kind of hometown rivalry game, and brings out a lot of folks. I love the idea. I love it doing it at Navy and Marine Corps Memorial Stadium one year, and Homewood Field the next. Um, I'm writing a feature in advance of this game on Friday night about a Hopkins player, Garrett Degnan. He wears the number 40 in honor of Brendan Looney, who's uh, he's a Debatha graduate. He's actually Garrett is an Anne Arundel County native. He grew up in the Harwood area. Um, but you talked about the mutual respect and the, the, that that shows it right there. The Garrett Degdon wears the number 40 in honor of a Navy player, a former Navy player, Brendan Looney, who obviously lost his life in the line of duty as a Navy SEAL. Can you comment on that? I mean, I, I just learned about this recently. I didn't know that. So I've watched Garrett. Garrett's in his fifth year with us. I've watched Garrett wear number 40 you know, for, for a couple years now. And, um, when I found that out, it just, it meant a lot to me. Um, you know, I didn't know Brendan Looney personally, but I know the story for sure. And I think any of us who are connected to the Academy know the story and it touches all of us. And to know that Garrett felt compelled to do the same thing because of his connection to Brendan just shows you why it's always bigger than sport, right? It's, it's bigger than the school you play for. It's about, you know, it's really about honoring and celebrating one another in so many ways. And um, Garrett's an incredible player. He's an, he's a captain this year. He's an incredible leader for our team. And to know that he is connected to Brendan and feels compelled to honor him every time he takes the field just means a lot to me personally. Um, I don't walk around. I don't know how many of our guys know that I went to the Naval Academy. I know plenty of them do, but I, I don't, I don't need to kind of advertise that, but I, um, but I do feel like in this case with Brendan, it just, it means a lot to have one of our players feel that connected to his story too. Um, and to be inspired by it because that's how people's legacy lives on. Well, I'm not shocked that that sort of statement is being made, um, you know, from the Hopkins program, Jen, you're, you're obviously an amazing leader and, and leading a, a great Hopkins program, uh, in all sports. We were talking a little bit before, uh, you came on the pod about, you know, what you want your legacy to be, why you do this, why you're involved in athletics in order to make leaders of consequence going forward and whatever they do. 
Can you share a little bit of that perspective? Because from a leadership perspective and from an athletics perspective, it, it's just so refreshing to hear that particularly down here where we fashioned the Naval Academy to be a leadership laboratory, you've kind of got the same idea up there at Hopkins. Yeah, you can't ever really stray far from your roots, can you? Um, and I don't necessarily know that you need to. Uh, it, it's interesting, you know, as I came into this work initially, I never set out to be an AD. I wanted to be a pilot. I wanted to be a Navy pilot. That was the only thing I ever wanted to be. Um, as I wound up on this twisty, turny journey that we all go on, and I found myself, I was um, I was coaching lacrosse at Cornell a handful of years ago and recognized that, you know, what I've experienced in terms of being developed as a leader and having leadership developed as a skill um, with me, specifically through sport, did not exist um, elsewhere. And so I saw as an opportunity to really create that because in my mind, athletics is a vehicle to develop leaders. That's how I experienced it, right? It is the physical mission. Um, and so what started as me developing a leadership curriculum for women's lacrosse players at Cornell evolved into me developing an entire curriculum for all 37 sports, 1,100 student athletes up there. And it's really become sort of the core of how I approach this work. I think athletics exists to help us discover the best of ourselves and to develop leaders. And so I'm always trying to put a framework around that that allows our student athletes to have that opportunity to develop themselves. There is no loose hall on other campuses. There is no Bancroft Hall on other campuses, but there is athletics. And particularly right now, if you, I mean, if you look at the headlines right now for college athletics, there's a whole lot out there that you can dwell on that is not necessarily telling the best story. But the reality of it is, is that it, on every campus, in, within every team, there's an opportunity to develop leaders of consequence and character um, to go on to leave and go and impact their communities wherever they are. And when I look at my Hopkins student athletes specifically, I think about these incredibly driven, academically talented high achieving student athletes who are going to leave our campus and are going to scatter far and wide and are going to impact their communities, micro level, macro level, and everything in between. And it's my job to make sure that they can take the benefits of their athletic experience and use that for good. Um, that, that has a very additive effect when you think of it. Um, and I'm really proud of that. And I believe that we do send kids off. I think every campus has the opportunity to do the same thing, but you know, just like the Naval Academy, we send kids off who will then lead others, who will then positively impact others and, and grow them. Um, and that is that is at the crux of college athletics if you take advantage of it. So um, not saying NIL is a bad thing. I'm not going to argue about the transfer portal. But at the end of the day, if you take that opportunity and you see that as your mission in you know administering an athletics program or participating in one, I think we make the world a better place. Uh, I could not possibly agree more, and and I'm not going to try to say it any better than you just did because you just said it perfectly, Jen. Um, Hopkins is in good hands. Not sure how good of hands they're going to be in on Friday. We'll see what happens as they come into town to take on Navy at Navy Marine Corps Stadium Friday night. Hey, what better way to go St. Patty's Day uh, <laughs> than to watch this game? By the way, I would just like to say for the record, Jen, not a big fan of the scheduling by Peter uh, to put the Maryland game on the 22nd at 6 p.m. when Navy plays Army in lacrosse oh. for the star at 7 p.m. Like I'm gonna have to, no. I'm gonna have to have Chewy fix the hyperdrive in the Falcon to get from, yeah, you know, from Chase Field at College Park to the Navy game in time to see us sing second. But 
I, I will be there to support both my friend at Johns Hopkins against my father's alma mater and then to go watch the star game. <laughs> well, it, that game was supposed to be on Sunday night and then it got moved back to Saturday. And I wasn't even tracking that it was simultaneous with Army Navy. Boy, they just are stacking all the rivalries on one day, aren't they? That I is know. not the, fair the to 20 seconds going to be a busy, busy day for sure. Uh, a lot of star matches and Hopkins, Maryland. <laughs> Let's go with the victory for the Blue Jays and the victory for Navy simultaneous. What better way to wrap up a regular season lacrosse season? Uh, I think even Jack Schofield would be able to stomach that, ladies and gentlemen. All right, <laughs> Jen Baker, thank you so much for your time. Good luck on Friday. Good luck to your swimmers down there at the national championships. Um, and, and thank you, as always, for being a supporter and a guest on the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Thank you for having me. Beat Army, everyone. Beat Army, everyone, indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Jen Baker, class of 98, uh, former women's lacrosse player, previewing our Hopkins matchup this Friday. We're going to go to break when we come back. We're going to talk to someone who knows a little bit about playing the Hopkins men's lacrosse team, former Navy laxer Ian Dingman. Uh, so stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Sing Second fans, another announcement from our friends at NAAA. Join us at Camden Yards as the Navy baseball team takes on University of Maryland, Baltimore County, Wednesday, March 29th, at the home of the Baltimore Orioles. First pitch is slated for 6 p.m. Tickets to the game are just $10 and can be purchased by visiting Orioles.com slash UMBC Navy game. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. A uh, really good conversation with Jen Baker. Of course, she's rooting for Hopkins. She works there. No big deal. Um, but I can tell you someone who's not going to be rooting for Hopkins on Friday is Ian Dingman. And I don't know how long you've been listening to this podcast um, or you know how much you follow Navy men's lacrosse, ladies and gentlemen. But Ian Dingman is a name that you should know and remember. He's an 07 grad of the U.S. Naval Academy, came in his freshman year in 03, came off the bench in 11 of, 18, of 13 games uh, to lead the midshipmen in scoring with 23 goals and 17 assists. And he was just significant all the way through um, until his graduation. Ian, thank you so much for being on the pod and catch our listeners up with what you're up to now. Well, uh, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. Uh, well, after graduating in 2007, I served a selected surface warfare, did about seven and a half, almost eight years as a SWO, was on the USS Cole, Gunston Hall, and then stationed back at the uh, Naval Academy for, for, for my short tour. Um, after that, I decided that, well, I guess my body decided most of all that that, that, was, that was enough, and so got out and uh, Went into the private sector doing government contracting and then uh, a couple other positions here and there, but I've uh, finally wound up back in the defense sector uh, working for CACI and, you know, working with other uh, fellow Naval Academy graduates. So um, back doing cool things, at least cool to me, uh, ISR, counter UAS type technologies and, uh, you know, give them back to the warfighter in any way we can. I love it. Well, before WAG starts hitting you up and, and making you go down memory lane, I remember you as, you know, I was teaching in Loose Hall as a lieutenant back from 2000 to 2003. 
And, you know, my good friend and frequent visitor on this pod, Mike Keery, was was telling me how, you know, there was a particular athlete on the lacrosse team that that he was being asked to mentor and, and work with a little bit. And it was you. And I remember the first time I saw Midshipman Dingman walk by me in Ricketts Hall, I was like, they do not make lacrosse players that big. Like, he plays tight end for the football team, right? And no, you, you were... Uh, you know, not only a big lacrosse player, but a very significant lacrosse player for you as you've gone on, you know, not only as a SWO and we love SWOs on this show, um, you know, how much did your, did your efforts, did your athleticism, did your experience with the lacrosse team inform your success as a SWO, inform your success on shore duty and now inform your success as a defense contractor, you know, living in Montana, giving back to the warfighter. How much do you rely on it? Well, it's, it's, I think it's more of a subconscious reliance on the, the things that are ingrained into individuals as they go through team sports. There's, there's many different aspects that shape our decision-making and how we interact with others on a daily basis. And I guess the foundation for that, starting with most anybody who plays team sports, is that team sports experience. You, you learn how to play with others, react with others, read others in, in situations. And, you know, there's that added level of stress and, and, and physical requirement when playing on, on the sports field that if, if you don't work together as a team, you don't accomplish the goal. And, uh, you know, on, on the sports field, it's, it's winning, uh, the game on the battlefield, it's defeating the enemy and in business, it's being successful. Um, you know, that, that I think translates quite clearly um, and also shows, you know, the different levels of, of life that there are. Couldn't agree more. Wag? Well, Ian, I covered you back in the day and uh, I'll just tell the listeners that Ian was a force to be reckoned with when he posted up on the left-hand side facing the goal. He could back down anybody. He's very difficult to stop. And I know Ian will be modest, but I'll give the statistics. He is the fourth leading all-time scorer in Navy history with 188 career points. That's that's no small potatoes. I mean, he's up there with names like Jeff Long, Mike Buzzle, Mike Herger, Paul Basile, Jimmy Lewis, Nick Barabito. I mean, he's some of the all-time greatest players. So uh, Ian had a very, very productive career. He was a second team All-American in 2004. And let's just start there, Ian, that you were part of that great run to the national championship game and uh, how thrilling it was for all of us. And he played up there at M&T Bank Stadium. And, you know, you got the upset, if you will, of Princeton in the semis and then the incredible game against Syracuse that unfortunately Navy lost 14-13. I still you know, wishing that final shot had gone in, but just tell me about that season. That had to be one of the highlights of your lacrosse career, that run in 2004. Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it can actually be broken up into kind of three segments. We had, uh, I think a good, a good game or two, and then we dropped a game. We, we shouldn't have. Uh, I believe it was to Ohio State, third or fourth game of the year, where we just didn't come in prepared to play and got got a very serious wake-up call. Um, from there, we went on something like a 10 or 
11 game win streak or some, something crazy like that, that hadn't happened in a very long time. Um, leading up to the Hopkins game, um, which is another story all, you know, all in itself. 10, but, 9, 2004, last game of the regular season. Yep. And, you know, going in there and understanding that, that whole, you know, streak, you know, I don't think a, a streak had ever been accomplished like that in, in Navy lacrosse, you know, 10 or 11 in a row, except for, you know, maybe the undefeated teams, but I don't think they played that many games back in, you know, the sixties, but we left our confidence high. We, I think we went number, number two seed, I think going into the tournament. And so, um, you know, it's not like we ran into anybody after that. And from that point that we thought, you know, they were better than us because that was certainly not the attitude of anybody on the team. However, you know, there's the, I don't want to say it's a legacy media thing. It's a legacy attitude thing uh, in the realm of lacrosse, especially, you know, it's hard to say this almost 20 years ago that, you know, you had Hopkins, you had Syracuse, you had Virginia and people's, you know, traditional attitudes. You had Maryland of being, you know, the strong and going into it. They've been to the, the tournament so many times in a row. They had that, that prestige about them um entering the tournament but we didn't we didn't care about that and so you know going to cornell playing a tough game up in cornell uh you know not not an easy thing i think it was i think we went up to cornell and played and yeah yeah you won at cornell six five yeah i was there in ithaca yep and uh it was a very cool game that i remember that there was a you know a nice dense fog coming off of the field i think i think visibility there was about 20 feet and then um, going down and then down at M&T Bank, having to play uh, Princeton and then Syracuse. Again, by the time you get to that stage of the tournament, it, they should be tough games because you're going against other great teams. And uh, it was exciting. And like you said, it was a battle back and forth at Syracuse, uh, against Syracuse at M&T. But – you know, it just, it just didn't happen to bounce our way that day. And again, it's a life lesson. You prepared as much as you could prepare. You played pretty much as well as you could play. Um, and, you know, I'd say Jay, Jay Pfeiffer was, was one of the leading examples, one of the main reasons why they, they, they won that day. He had an outstanding game. And that's not to take anything away from any of the offensive, other defensive players, but he, I know I didn't like him after that game on a, on a athletic level because uh, he, he stopped way too many of my shots. <laughs> so you, with Hopkins coming up here Friday night, I'll give you a chance to talk about how much you hate the Blue Jays, but it's very really interesting during your career at Navy, uh, you never lost to Army, uh, you beat Maryland three or four times, but Hopkins was the team that in, in, in 2004, you mentioned 10-9 loss. The following yeah. year, 2005, 9-8 loss. The following year, 2006, 9-8 loss. And then finally in 2007, your senior year, 10-9 loss. Four one-goal losses to Hopkins. Uh, that must have stung. And I, I imagine that you want to see Navy beat Hopkins here on Friday night. 
Oh, absolutely. And uh, I, I, the only disappointing part of that rivalry is that most of the time a rivalry consists of, you know, kind of even wins back and forth. But we had gone, I don't even want to say the number, but it, it was decades without beating Johns Hopkins. And thank you for not mentioning my freshman year in 2003 or what the score was, because that was that was a, I would say an off year in that span where we got destroyed. But starting 2004 uh, and, and forward, again, it was just the tight game. And depending on, it didn't matter whether it was at Navy or at Army, there was just, for some reason, we couldn't get over that hump. And I believe one of those games, I don't remember which year it was, might even have been an overtime or a double overtime loss of those one goal games. So it was, you know, wanting to be that team to finally break that streak that we had, that they had on us. Um, again, another one of those career disappointments that we didn't get to. Um, but thankfully Navy did, I think ended up in 2008 or nine, finally, finally broke that curse. I don't even want to call it a streak. I'll just call it a curse, much like the, you know, the Cubs or the Red Sox that people like to talk about. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was very hard to swallow that pill. And, and, and I think, you know, and I know that everybody on our team, again, we, we were, I'd say the better team and, but they happened to be the better team on that day. Um, and, and it hurt. So before I throw it back over to John Schofield, I got to give you a chance to defend yourself here. Uh, sure. there's, there's been a story been told for many years and I, I have retold it, but it came from Richie Mead originally, but. It was in 2006, and I actually brought this up to John because last winter in the we had to go up to Hamilton, New York, because Navy played Colgate in the Patriot League Championship Basketball Tournament. We parked up behind the gym, and I looked back there, and I saw the lacrosse field, and I told this story. But this is back when you were at Navy. Navy was regularly winning Patriot League championships, going to the NCAA tournament. And back then, Colgate was not good in lacrosse and Navy went up to Hamilton, New York and lost six to three. And it was just a head scratcher. And then the following Monday, I uh, got talked to Richie on the phone. Cause I always got on the phone and BS with Richie. And I said, Richie, what, what in the world happened? You only scored three goals. You were like, you know, three for 50 shooting. And your line was not pretty that day. You may not remember, you may have purges from your memory, but you were like, 0 for 12 or something like that. And Richie says, after you missed like eight nurse shots or something, he, he, you came over the sideline. He said, Ian, what in the world is going on? And you're like, the pocket of my stick is frozen. <laughs> Does you remember that? Is that true? I, I, I completely remember that. I think it was one of maybe two scoreless games I may have had in my absolute, uh, in my career at Navy. And we went up there and the snow was blowing. Nothing that I hadn't experienced playing for Carthage before up in Northern New York. Um, but first time at Navy, um, we had experienced such conditions in several years. And yeah, my, my pocket was literally completely frozen solid. There was no movement in it. And I might as well have been one of those old, plastic scoop lacrosse sticks from, from gym class, you know, from back in the eighties. Uh, it was, <laughs> was basically completely useless to me. 
that day. And, and it wasn't just the shots that were bad. I think, I think we had a, a record number of turnovers that day. And it, it was, again, one of those wake up calls in 2006, where it's like, we, we can't be, we can't embarrass ourselves like this again. So we will um, have backups, <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it uh, going forward. So yes. Yes. Thank you for reminding me of that. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, Ian, um, there weren't many days like that. Um, yeah. 23 goals, 40 points altogether. Your plebe year, 36 goals, 62 points, uh, your youngster year. And, and then going from there, ending with 125 goals and 188 points. Wags has already said where that stands in the all-time list. And Ian, whenever your name is being mentioned with the likes of Jimmy Lewis, I'd say you had a pretty good career. <laughs> I would like to say, as Wags is bringing up um, you know, uh, certain stories, I would like to say this as someone, and you know, I've talked about it on this pod at length. I got kicked out of West Point. I, I am very formed um, in my daily life by the failure that I experienced getting you know, unceremoniously drummed out of a service academy and being forced to pick up the pieces and, and go forward. And I'm telling you that, that I became the person that I was able to become. I became the naval officer that I became because of that failure, because it informed mm -hmm. me every day. You had an amazing career at Navy, but you also had a very colorful career as a midshipman, uh, you know, that, that was marked with, with incidents that a lot of people would view as failures. H how do you evaluate that as, as you then evaluate your career as a successful SWO? And ladies and gentlemen, SWOs don't come back and teach at the Naval Academy because they were good at lacrosse. That is a merit-based job. That means you did not suck as a SWO and you come back and you teach there. H how do you evaluate your experience and anything you want to talk about with that experience and how it formed your success going forward? Well, uh, it, that's a multi-part answer, I would say, is I, I, I look back and I separated you know, decisions as a student, because that's what we are at, at the academy. We are students. Yes, technically, we have green cards or you know, military IDs, but our job, first and foremost, is students versus how you act as a professional when, when it truly matters, when, when you are responsible for other people's, you know, safety, lives, and, and decision-making. And yeah, a lot of people do dumb things as kids. And like I said, as college students, um, the times where, you know, I got, in, uh, I, I would say in major trouble uh, at the academy, if those incidents had ever happened at any other institution, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have been incidents. Um, but just due to the circumstances, and that's a lack of, you know, recognition on my part again as a as a young dumb student. Um, as for as for the academics part of it, again, it's it's the decision making. It's not it's what's important at the time uh, and what level of effort was put into it. And should I have done more in hindsight? A thousand percent. Uh, you know that, that that's all based on me. Nobody else did those things. Now, I'm not going to blame anybody else for those, but at the same time, they're humbling experiences, and that's 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 what it does. It teaches every failure teaches humility, and you know how not to go back and repeat that. And has everything been peachy since then? I wouldn't say so. You know, <laughs> I 
life has not gone <laughs> uncorrected since then. But again, learning, um, developing as a human, as an adult, as a leader, uh, as a leader, it, that's what every one of those things are, opportunities to become better in every aspect. And uh, if, if the only problem is, is if you go through those experiences and it doesn't change your behavior and it doesn't change your outlook, um, then that means we haven't learned anything. So uh, hopefully I have, I've, I've gone through that and, and picked up certain cues and, and ways to move forward. And I think I've done so. So again, that, that, would I change things right now? Probably not. Because then, I, then, then, like anything else, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't exactly. be the same person. It's hard to answer that question. No, it, it, I, I couldn't agree more. And there's a fabulous life lesson uh, embedded in there. And, and we're just so lucky you know, that we found you. Shout out to a uh, to friend of the pod, uh, Elizabeth Toby, for, for helping us find you um, and, and have you tell your story. Because I, I'll tell you what, I started as a big fan of yours you know, back when Lieutenant Schofield was teaching in Loose Hall. And, and that has been what nothing but galvanizing. I'll say one of few lieutenants who are fans of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lieutenant Mike Erie and Lieutenant John Schofield are huge fans of Ian Dingman. That's for sure. Well, Ian, thank you so much for helping us preview the Hopkins game. Thank you for telling us the stories of, of a magical year. And, and I will not forget uh, that very, very magical year in 04. Ian, we wish you the most luck going forward. And please come back on the pod and share your experiences with us. Thank you again for having me. Uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, yeah, anytime. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Ian Dignan, class of 07, Navy lacrosse great. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Wags and I are going to talk some women's lacrosse and take us out. This is Sing Second Sports. And one last announcement from our friends at NAAA. Looking for a great way to celebrate your kid's birthday? We'll have their party at a Navy sporting event with the Bill's birthday party package. Their special day can include a pregame party featuring treats from Chick-fil-A, Fisher's popcorn, and nothing but cakes, as well as game tickets, a video board recognition, and more. For more information, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY. Now back to the pod. Hi, right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. What an awesome conversation with Jen Baker with Ian Dingman. Um, and yeah, it, I'm, I'm with you, Wags. I had not thought of that championship game in quite a while. Um, I remember with like 40 seconds left, Dingman scoring the, the goal to make it 14-13, and we thought we were going to take that baby to overtime. Um, yeah, that Maddie Russell, Ian Dingman team uh, just had so many good memories. It was, it was great listening to him uh, talk about that for sure. Um, we're going to take this baby out, ladies and gentlemen, but not before we talk about a few more things. Wags, we have some wrestlers who can make some big waves, and we've talked about this. We had Grady Grice on. We've talked to Kerry Colat at the beginning of the season, and now they're where they want to be. I know that Kerry Colat wants all of his guys wrestling uh, in the NCAAs for national titles, but um, in this particular case, we've got Grice and some others Ready to make some waves this week. What do you think we're going to see? Well, Kerry Colab thinks Grady Grice has a chance to get on the podium, which means All-American status. Uh, Navy's got five wrestlers heading out to the NCAA championships. Um, Grady is an EIWA champion, so you're talking about being a conference champion. You are definitely 
going to get a good seed. I think he'll have a very good shot to do some things. And the others, uh, Brendan Ferretti at 133 pounds, Josh Coderhan at 141, David Key at 184, and Jacob Kozer at 197. Unfortunately, Sammy Starr did not get the at-large bid that Coach Colat was hoping he would get. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how these guys fare. It's always a tough field. Um, you know, I want to see uh, – I'd like to see Grady place top eight. It would be pretty exciting. I agree, Wags, and we'll bring you some updates throughout the week on how the wrestlers are doing, who else is in action this week during spring break. And we like to leave the midshipmen alone during spring break. So, again, many thanks to Jen Baker and Ian Dingman for uh, taking the pressure off of the mids while they party it up. But people not partying it up this week will be Navy Women's Lacrosse. They start a pretty tough slate on their schedule by hosting number 19 Jacksonville. If you're listening to this pod, that game is probably going on as we speak as it is set for a Thursday afternoon, 3 p.m., start at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. I certainly hope to be there uh, to watch that game. It should be pretty interesting. And then they turn around and open Patriot League play on Saturday at noon against Bucknell up in scenic and likely chilly Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. Wags, before we go out, it's the Ava Yovino show now, right? Like it's all, uh, shout out to Admiral Ryan Perry, the chief of information and a St. Thomas Aquinas grad but Ava Yovino of St. Thomas Aquinas is just the talk of women's lacrosse right now. How do you view this upcoming schedule against a ranked Jacksonville team and then starting the Patriot Leagues? Well, first of all, total kudos to Ava Yovino. She had eight assists, which was the third highest amount in program history. And then she turned around and scored eight goals, which was equal to the most in program history. And she's etching her name in the record books along with some of the all-time greats like Lauren Gennari and Jessica DePompeo and others. So uh, really excited about this young plea. Very, very talented player, a lefty. Um, and uh, I think, you know, she's she's a both best of both worlds. She's a feeder and a, a finisher. So uh, she's got a very bright future ahead of her. And uh, she's one of several young, talented players. Maggie DeFabio is another outstanding freshman. Uh, so there's some very good young talent in this program. Uh, Navy has already knocked off a top 20 opponent in Richmond. I'd like Navy to beat uh, Jacksonville. Now Jacksonville is a tough, very talented program. It always has, they're always loaded with Anne Arundel County players. I think they have seven Anne Arundel County players on the roster this season. And that's always been the case. They, they've recruited heavily up in this area, but I like Navy to beat Jacksonville, and then I think what we've seen so far this season tells me that Navy is up there with Loyola as the class of the Patriot League. So I, I you know, I think Navy can beat anyone in the Patriot League. Army has obviously approved their program; they're right there. Uh, that's going to be a real barn burner when that game is played. But yeah, uh, I, I, I think Navy women's cross is really showing strong so far, John. Yeah, for sure. Let's see how uh, strong everyone performs starting Thursday. As we said, that's when the wrestling NCAA championships begin in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Good luck to Grady Grice and the rest of the boys as they try to get on podium. Women's lacrosse, as I said, uh, they go up against Jacksonville at Navy Marine Corps Stadium at 3 p.m. Thursday. Men's gymnastics travels out to uh, take on Simpson College 
on Thursday as well. Friday, the wrestling championships continue. Baseball hosts Bucknell at 2 p.m. The weather Friday is supposed to be amazing. So instead of, I don't know, going in and drinking green beer and acting like a buffoon, why don't you come out and watch baseball take on Bucknell and then watch lacrosse take on Hopkins? Um, That sounds like a pretty darn good Friday night. Um, A bunch of other stuff going on over the weekend to include more baseball against Bucknell and the wrestling championships continuing. Best of luck to all of our athletes. Thank you again to Jen Baker, Ian Dingman, Bill Wagner, and Chris Cervello. For all of them, I am John Schofield. We will see you next week. For all of you mids listening on spring break, what is wrong with you? Go out and enjoy yourself and listen to this pod some other time. For everyone else, we'll see you. This is Sing Second Sports. We're out. Thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of the podcast segment.